I hate to have done what I just did to my next guest because he's a great guy. And when I keep him waiting, look out. That's all I could say because he's David Caputo, Emeritus Pace University, one of the great political science professors uh, of his era without question. And we welcome him back to the airwaves on LI News Radio. Sir, can you ever forgive me for my tardiness? You're forgiven. Thank you for that introduction. How are you? I'm doing well, my friend. I know you've been traveling and everything else. Uh, it is good to have you back. The elections, you know, I tell you, David, I said it. Uh, we we counted them down from a year ago. We knew how important midterms 2022 would be, gubernatorial New York. I mean, some surprises along the way. My goodness, uh, the crescendo uh, of it all from last Tuesday, which seems like uh, six weeks ago at this point. But in essence, isn't it ironic how we talk about it? It comes and goes, and, you know, business as usual as we get ready to kind of round out the year. It never ceases to amaze me, you know? Well, there, there's still a lot that's going to happen this year, and uh, we're, we still are learning about what happened last Tuesday, and uh, we still have a way to go before we really understand the significance of the election. Uh, but clearly, it was a very unique an unexpected midterm election, and um, it's uh, the ramifications will be felt, I think, for quite some time. Get into the the enchilada of them all, you know? Why not? You know, I mean, I was at a family wedding. Uh, my son got married in Florida, and and people want to talk about what happened in New York. You know, I have people from Philadelphia, I have people from Boston. Uh, all over New York saying, what happened to Lee Zeldin? They thought this was the year. They thought this was going to kind of be a replica of, of the mid-90s and George Pataki, and here we go with the change and two-to-one uh, registrants, Democrats to Republicans, all that was going on. Uh, you know, Kathy Hochul, uh, you know, took over the reins, we all know, from Andrew Cuomo and said, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, she was going to go down and whatnot. And the question is, and we saw the polls, if you're a believer in that, 17-point, uh, you know, uh, advantage at one point uh, from around Labor Day. It dwindled so many different polls, and even one showing Zeldin in the lead. Uh, how did Lee Zeldin lose this one in your estimation? Well, I think there are a couple things. I think, one, um, the issue of crime uh, was clearly the uh, major issue that helped him. Uh, but beyond that, uh, the some of the other issues in the state were just not that important to the voters, it appears. We're still waiting to really get a good look at the exit polling. but um, And we do know that some of the polling in the state was clearly off in terms of how close the race was. Clearly, he was making ground up at the end. But I think the other thing that hurt him uh, was the um, the election uh, denial or the moderation on that position. I think for some New Yorkers, that was uh, too, too, too wide a bridge to cross. So I think um, the Republicans uh, in New York State definitely had a good night. And I think Zeldin gets credit for uh, pooling some of the House districts uh, Republican because he ran well in that those areas of the state. So I think it's a mixed bag as to what happened. Uh, I think the governor 
was not in the strongest position uh, given a variety of things. So we'll see what happens going forward. If you look at the legislature, uh, Democrats did uh, lost some seats, but also did well enough to keep uh, their majorities. And I think they'll have their super majorities. You know, I look at two issues. Well, first of all, Zelda lost by 40 points in New York City, Dave. Uh, how do you combat that? How do you, I mean, could you ever combat that down the road? Or, as I see it, when you have issues of abortion, when you have issues, excuse me, as far as Trump is concerned, and the alignment and everything else in January 6th, and denouncing, and you really don't, how badly does that hurt a candidate of Zeldin's ilk, especially in this election year? Well, I think it raises real problems in terms of what is the message that you're trying to get out. You want to hold the Trump voter, uh, but you have a difficulty in terms of uh, what, what, what are the options that you're offering people. And I think in general, this was an issue for the Republicans. Uh, they, they had uh, very strong criticism of the Democrats and some of their policies, especially on crime. Uh, but they failed, I think, to offer um, solutions, especially economic solutions. It's one thing to, to rail against the problems. It's another thing to offer solutions that people are willing to consider. Uh, as far as New York City, I think it just shows the ascendancy of the city in the statewide elections as long as you get the turnout that you need in the city. And I think that'll continue, and it's just a fact of life in New York. Um, but it wasn't just New York City. Uh, Western New York supported the governor. Um, some other areas did also. So I think this is a pattern that we had in the in the election uh, that doesn't make New York as unique. You had post, polling that was off. Uh, in some cases, although in general polling in most other states pretty accurate. Uh, you had candidates in, in states such as Pennsylvania and New Hampshire, which easily could have been Democratic uh, losses, turn into wins because candidates made uh, major errors. I think the major error, in, in, for instance, in Pennsylvania was the gaffe at the end of the debate where um, uh, the comment was made that abortion should be decided by the local officials should be decided in issues of reproductive rights and i think that drove many people to the polls uh i think uh one thing to keep in mind that was very very interesting we still need to know more about this is that the 18 to 29 year old vote uh even though it was around 30 percent half of uh, nearly half of what it is uh, for people older still was significantly higher and had an impact in, in uh, several of the races, it appears. And, you know, listen, the Trump factor looms large right now because he'll make an announcement tomorrow uh, that he's going to run for president again. And with that being said, of what we have seen over the last week, as far as his picks, his endorsements, three governors right off the bat for me, Mastriano of Pennsylvania, Zeldin in New York, don't forget two to Dixon in Michigan, who lost to the incumbent there in Gresham Whitmer. You look at the senatorial picks, most notably, over the last day or so, Adam Laxalt losing uh, to Masto out there. Uh in essence, you know, another example of maybe the aura kind of wearing off 
and you have a lot of GOPers, heads of state right now, wondering, at least I'm wondering, as far as if that decision in play comes tomorrow, uh, what kind of an effect will it have going forward, 2024, and especially in Ron DeSantis? Uh, that is a point of contention many are going to have right now in the next few. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, I think Trump has no uh, option other than announcing tomorrow. Otherwise, he appears, I think, to be um, uh, weaker. Um, the When you have a, a um, front page like the Post ran in terms of uh, the caricature of him, clearly he's on the defensive. Uh, he's been able to survive in the past, and uh, I think the key will be, even though some GOP um, members have wavered uh, publicly for the first time, uh, what happens to the rank-and-file uh, Trump supporter? And I think there he remains very strong. Uh, a lot's going to happen between now and 24, uh, both uh, in terms of Trump's behavior and uh, the behavior of the American electorate. So I think it's a little premature. I think more important is what happens in Georgia and also what happens in the ensuing uh, six weeks till the new Congress comes in. I I think as much as um, Democrats did well in this election, the the apparent loss, although we aren't sure yet, we may not know for several weeks, it could even come down uh, to Alaska in terms of uh, getting that final number to 218 for the Republicans. But I think there'll probably be one or two seats at least over that. So they're going to have a very narrow uh, majority in the House. The one-party rule, I mean, they're definitely going to take the House. They need six. I think they're at 212 to 205 right now. Uh, And, of course, regardless of Georgia, uh, you still have the tiebreaker by the VP. Uh, which will ensure Democratic control of the chamber. That's the way it should be, you know, when you think about it. But just getting back to Trump for a second, David, in the fact that, you know, you know it'll never happen. He'll never come to his own senses as far as, you know, the good of the party, good of the country. DeSantis, you know, who took out Charlie Chris last week by 20 points. Uh, and obviously, I mean, he is the guy. And I've said all along for months, longer than that, if you really want a good tandem for 2024, regardless of who the Democrats throw out there, I don't think it'll be Joe Biden either, by the way, but you can't have a better team than DeSantis and Tim Scott. I mean, that is a winning formula beyond belief. And to me, you know, Donald Trump will never see it that way or the team. They'll never see it that way uh, or the, you know, the heads of state as far as the Republican Party. You know, they want him in there and everything else. But, man, I'll tell you, that could be a... That could be a dire era when you think about it. Possibly, but let me go back for just a minute to the importance of Georgia. Uh, right now, if, if um, Herschel Walker uh, prevails in Georgia, you will have a truly uh, equally divided Senate 50-50. And yes, the vice president will break ties, but there are key organizational aspects in the Senate uh, for instance, committee, uh, the um, percentage, uh, the number, instead of, instead of committee, uh, committees being equally divided between the two parties, there'll be a slight uh, favor uh, towards the Democrats in terms of setting uh, the rules, in terms of uh, day-to-day co- um, uh, 
uh, activity on the floor of the Senate and so forth. Right now, in a divided Senate, that there's a great deal of interplay between the majority and minority leader. That's not the case if the Democrats have a 51-49. So I think that election is more important than most people realize. And in addition, it also in- helps to ensure for the Democrats, if they have a Democratic senator for whatever reason uh, le- leaves office and is from a Republican state, uh, you know, it just takes one of that, and the, the Republican governor appoints another person. But going back to your, your point about um, the, the, the ticket, uh, it's very Southern-based. Uh, it also has a very decided anti- um, or, or pro-life uh, configuration, and I think that the American public is saying that, hey, uh, on reproductive rights, uh, we're primarily oriented towards uh, loosening uh, what the Supreme Court has said rather than tightening. Could be. David Caputo uh, with us. Now, uh, one thing before we get into the state, do you credit Lee Zeldin with three and four in the congressional districts Desposito taking out Laura Gillen and George Santos, Robert Zimmerman. Let's remember the seats held by uh, long-timers in Kathleen Rice and Tom Swazi. to give Zeldin a lot of credit for the flip there, David? Yes, I think you have to. Uh, he ran well. Um, but I think also the big story in New York goes back several years uh, with the uh, Electoral Commission, the Redistricting Commission, and the debacle that happened. Yep. Uh, when they overstepped uh, and the, the courts uh, forced them to uh, force the state to redistrict differently, and you had a person uh, making those calls in terms of the special master that the Steuben County judge yes. uh, had. So I, I think that's really where the, the districts became much more competitive, but uh, the um, candidates ran good races. And they were well funded, uh, so I think that, and and also I think Zeldin ran uh, well enough that they were able to survive. David Caputo with us. Let's kind of decipher a little bit of the state. It's a little tricky here uh, with the results statewide. If I have it right, Democrats uh, with at least forty of the Senate, sixty-three seats. Uh, David, pending resolution of two close ones in the Assembly, Republicans flip. Six uh, Democratic seats across the state. You got three more close races uh, st- still being looked at here on the island. Republicans won seven of the nine state Senate seats after flipping two from Democrats, winning two open seats. You got to have a scorecard for this. I'm not kidding. And returning two GOP senators to office. Um, so, in essence, a couple of races stood out to me. One, uh, Anna Kaplan. I mean, these are two staples. Kaplan in the state Senate losing to a state senator from yesteryear in Jack Martins. And the other one in the Assembly, how about Steve Englebright losing out to Ed Flood? Ed will be on with us in the next couple of days. But those are a couple of of the ones that stood out. Mike Lawler taking out Sean Patrick Maloney. Uh, I'll tell you, there were a couple of interesting ones out here. Give me your assessment. Oh, there's no doubt that there were. uh, And I think... 
you know, many of the House elections and many of the state legislative elections are really um, dominated as much by local issues and positions as it is by what's going on uh, in the broader picture. So I think you get a combination of turnout, you get a combination of uh, ca- how candidates ran their campaigns. Uh, I think in terms of Sean Maloney, uh, he um, simply, uh, you know, he did a very effective job in terms of the other House races, and perhaps there was a uh, either a feeling of complacency or they just didn't have enough uh, energy left to really concentrate on his race. But I think that is significant. Clearly, the Republicans uh, wanted to defeat him, um, saw that as important. I think going forward for New York State, the interesting question is going to be, how is this governor uh, at this point in time going to uh, interact with the legislature, uh, and given a legislature that is uh, less democratic uh, than it was, uh, large D here, party democratic, than it was uh, prior to the election. And I think that'll be the uh, future both of her and also uh, we'll have a great deal to say about what happens in the state of New York. The mindset will change. Uh of of how prevalent the crime topic uh, was put out there, even though it's still somewhat disingenuous to hear a guy like Mike Janaris, you know, one of the architects of bail reform and everything else, saying, you know what, it's just, it's just a lot of hype, you know, fear-mongering and everything else. I mean, come on. I mean, please, have a little compassion, my goodness. But in essence, uh, David, do, do they come back a little bit as far as maybe wanting to strengthen the bail laws, you know, less is more, raise the age, I mean, elderly, you know, I mean, elderly parole, I mean, it goes on and on and on here. I mean, do they do they come back to the table with what obviously is, is going to be a, a looking point for many years to come? This is not going to let up. I mean, how do you see this? Well, in terms of New York State, yes, I think – I think there will be uh, some discussions about uh, uh, reducing uh, the impact of those laws and perhaps reforming there. Nationally, however, crime was not as, uh, if if the exit polls are in fact accurate, and I think you can always question them, uh, crime itself uh, and gun control issues were far far down the list in in most states under 10%. Uh, New York State was a, a, an example of something that was different, and I think it's largely due to the bail reform and also what what occurred, uh, what happened in New York City in the last year in terms of crime, and I think that was reflected in concerns, for, especially in a suburban voter who's concerned: is that going to, you know, are those crime rates going to? engulf us and what about the um, the apparent we uh, deficiencies in some of the state laws so i think that was a key factor in some of the uh, races so i i do think the democrats have to be concerned with uh trying to um move those back in more into the neutral ground you do agree a message was sent as far as what occurred last Tuesday for at least the state of New York as far as Democrats and going forward. Do you believe that? Yes, I, th- I, think, that's, I think that's true. If I were a Democratic leader, uh, I'd be concerned 
uh, in terms of, uh, you know, we cannot have these types of losses in 24, so they've got to be very concerned about who's at the top of the ticket uh, nationally. Uh, I think nationally, uh, the key point, I think the president uh, started the conversation correctly by saying that he was uh, for uh, bipartisanship, and he was inviting them to uh, inviting Republicans uh, to work with him. <laughs> but then he undercut that to some extent by listing all the things he was unwilling to to discuss. So uh, I think this issue, I think the I think the overriding issue uh, for me in the, these elections was the American public really looking for their political leaders uh, to spend less time fighting each other and more time working together. And I think that'll be a test, uh, as, and that's one of the reasons why I think DeSantis uh, is uh, in a strong position going forward. But uh, he is, uh, to some extent, uh, very partisan, and so we'll we'll see if he's going to moderate in terms of trying to work together. And to me, that'll be one of the more fascinating dynamics going forward over the next couple of years. Uh, when Trump makes it official tomorrow, is how those two will be going at each other. Remember, it was uh, DeSantis who was spawned, to put it bluntly, by Donald Trump. I mean, and now look at him now. And now it's about the teardown effect, you see. So we'll see how that kind of shapes out over the next two years. Finally, I'll ask you this. Joe Biden, meeting today in China, in Bali, very important meeting with Xi, without question, with all that has taken place. How does it look to go forward with Biden in 2024? And I still will will set my mindset on the fact he will not run in 2024. He will not. You might think differently here, but what happens to this party and Biden in the next couple of years? Go ahead. Well, I think the uh, you know everyone's talking about the struggles. Uh, between the faction, between the Trump faction and the regular Republicans and and people such as DeSantis and the Republican Party. But I think clearly the Democrats uh, have a very difficult road ahead uh, if Biden is not the nominee. Uh, even, if he, even if he runs, that doesn't rule out someone, I would argue, from the progressive wing deciding that they're going to challenge him in, in the primaries. Um, I, I think... That what this does is sets up a dynamic that could be very destructive uh, for the party in terms of who the nominee will be, because the usual assumption would be that the vice president uh, would would uh, be the nominee. I think that in Harris's case becomes a bit problematic. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I also um, am not sure what the president is going to do. I think he right now is enjoying uh, what he feels is a, a much better than average uh, election, uh, and it clearly was. It goes back to the 1930s and early 1960s in terms of having the results as it is. And if they had managed to carry the House, uh, that would have been uh, even better for him. So I don't know how much is the euphoria that he feels that he's the only person that can win, uh, or if he feels he's the only person that can win against Trump, and if Trump uh, decides, uh, if Trump is doesn't have the nomination, then I think it puts him perhaps at some disadvantage. Interesting. I will still maintain Gavin Newsom as the guy for the party of the Democrats 
Let's not rule out a tandem of Newsom and Mayor Pete. Mr. Buttigieg there, transportation secretary, and certainly an outside shot. Yes, she will do it again if she has a chance, in my estimation, and that of Hillary Clinton. Can't rule it out. Oh, that's, that's interesting. I think, I think Hillary uh, will not jump back in. Uh, I do think there are some governors who've, uh, who, who are in uh, position to perhaps uh, become better known nationally and perhaps the candidates uh, coming ahead. Polis in um, uh, Colorado, I think Shapiro in Pennsylvania, um, and I think there are several others, just as there are several former Republican governors uh, and current governors, such as uh, Chris Sununu in New Hampshire, who could possibly be candidates. Interesting. David Computer, one of the greats, Meredith Pace, political science uh, professor extraordinaire back in the day. Sir, always great having you. Let's not have any more of these big gaps. How's that? Okay, very good. Thank you, Jay. Take care. Have you back. Good stuff there.